Hello, and welcome to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer, not just for Louisiana, but for the entire northern Gulf Coast. And now, introducing your host, Alan DeRitter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the January 7th edition of Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. Uh, I'm Coach Alan DeRitter. I'm the head coach for the boys at Dulles Island High School, and I'm director of coaching at Soccer Innovations of America. We always start off our show with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear God, thanks for letting us have some good weather finally and letting us have a chance to really uh, um, really have some some uh, favorable conditions to run our home stretch now, heading to the playoffs. I'm going to pray for good sportsmanship. I pray for a uh, great attitude between all the players and teams and the continued growth to this game and this show helping that goal. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. In the next segment, we're going to talk to Lee Sanders. He is the assistant executive director for Louisiana High School Athletic Association in charge of refereeing. And uh, and he's got a lot to say, and I think we need to listen to him. Uh, they, they are an integral part uh, of the game. The players, the coaches, the uh, fans, and the referees, all four are vital. And when we, when we don't work together, it, it, it leads to a mess. <laughs> and so um, you get a chance to hear what he has to say. I think it's worth worth the listen. Um, and uh, anyway, you can let me know what you think. I want to thank everybody who's been supporting the show. Our, uh, our listenership is off the charts right now, and I really appreciate all of that. Uh, this week, uh, now we're getting back to district play for everybody. And I don't really see too much of a change uh, um, in the power rankings. Um, there were some games that I think were uh, kind of impressive. Um, uh, I think St. Paul's got a chance to um, uh, get some really good experience uh, out of state. Um, no power rankings for that, but still uh, the development is amazing. I think Dutchtown tying Jesuit is uh, something that uh, we need to take a note of because uh, – uh, Dutchtown is is at five two and five, and and I think anytime you tie Jesuit, that's that's a that's a statement. I do think also uh, in Division One for the boys, just just keeping an eye on it. Um, Hanville finally got a uh, win against New Iberia, um, but Saint Amant, I think right now a lot of people. Um, um, Saw when they beat Hanville four to nothing. They just see a t this this team is rolling, and North Shore at a ten one and three record is dangerous. So Division One, the top five teams, I think they could beat anybody any given time. Although I understand everybody's preference for Jesuit and for uh, and for um, St. Paul's. When it comes to Division Two, um, most coaches believe East Jefferson's the team to beat. They beat E. White one nothing. And uh, and they're starting district play again this week. Of course, Holy Cross is a, is a close second. They pretty much split the vote. Them and St. Thomas More got a chance to play St. Thomas More last week. They are definitely well coached, very strong. They they lost a rough game to Lafayette, but then they beat us. Mod team De La Salle won and nothing uh, with 13 minutes left and. Uh, my guys gave it the best college try possible, but St. Thomas More is a loaded team. And, of course, Bo Shen is a lot of people's outside favorite to win, but uh, they lost to Ben Franklin. And Ben Franklin right now is also in my district. Ben Franklin has leapfrogged uh, all the way uh, eight spots in the power rankings today. 
And uh, we play them tonight, and uh, they're six and four, but uh, they're a dangerous team. But they did lose to Catholic and New Iberia, which uh, I think says a lot about Catholic and New Iberia, um, um, in my opinion. And uh, so in Division Two, um, that's pretty much all the news. Um, um, besides going through all the all the scores in Division Three, St. Louis Catholic is still St. Louis Catholic. Uh, they beat Turlings four to one, which Turlings is ranked third, and um, and then they uh, beat Menard three to one. So St. Louis it looks like just like in the NFL playoffs, the road to the Super Bowl goes through New Orleans. I think the road to Division Three goes through Lake Charles. University Lab uh, though showed that they have some punch. They beat Vanderbilt two nothing and tied Catholic Baton Rouge one to one. Turlings Catholic lost to Holy Cross and St. Louis, but they beat St. Martin both three to one. So I, I think they're eight two and one. I think they're dangerous. Edie White's always going to be dangerous. They only lost to East Jefferson one nothing, but then they pounded Morgan. City eight to nothing to beat Zachary two to one. Um, Loyola Prep is 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 ranked fifth. Uh, Parkview Vanderbilt is still ranked with a losing record, and uh, and I think for good reason. They beat Lutcher two to nothing and Captain Shreve four to one, and they only lost to University Lab two to nothing. So um, Lusher Charter has been getting stronger as the year goes on, and Hannon as well. Uh, so in Division Three, it's a it really I, I think in in Division Two and Three, it's an open race. In Division Four, ESA really could, took some time to rest. Uh, Newman lost to Lakeshore. There's no shame in that. Um, uh, Episcopal beat uh, Caddo Magnet and tied Loyola Prep before losing to Zachary. And North Lake Christian beat Country Day, but then got shut out by Holy Cross five to nothing. So, uh, Catholic New Iberia I just mentioned to you beat Ben Franklin, uh, but lost to Loyola Prep four to one. But they're a dangerous team hanging around in there. And then uh, Sterlington, I talked about them a little bit last week. I want to get their coach on 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 the show. Uh, they wound up tying St. Fredericks, and uh, that's a that's a pretty good result, I think. Um, in Division Four, um, I think uh, uh, again, uh, I get a lot of criticism for this, but I think the cream of Division Four is Episcopal of Acadiana. We'll see how that plays out. Well, that's it for the boys. Um, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the girls. And then our last segment, we're going to talk to Lee Sanders on Monday Night Football. We'll see you after the break. It's no ordinary sports show. Candid conversation. We've got it all. Must have guests. Significant Louisiana sports figures. Serious knowledge. Post-game breakdowns, trivia, historical flashbacks, and my editorials. That'll make even the most diehard sports fans go wow. From the one guy who's always in the zone. It's what happens when you've been around Louisiana sports this long. The WGNO Sports Zone, Wednesdays at 1015. All right, welcome back to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. Let's talk a little bit about the girls. Not too much movement in the girls' polls um, on laprepsoccer.net. In Division One, SSA is the team to beat, but a lot of people believe that Mandeville's got their number this year, and they're ranked number two. Two district rivals going head-to-head, -head, as usual. Um, uh, 
at a positive note on the South Shore is Dominican is ranked third, and uh, they, uh, they've been working hard and trying to be uh, our finalist team and our state championship team uh, for the last few years. It looks like that work's paying off. Then you have North Shore, CE Bird, Mount Carmel, Acadiana, St. Joseph's, Dutchtown, and Baton Rouge. No surprises there. You could put those at any order. Uh, they're going to be a headache for each other when they get to the quarterfinals. In Division Two. Um, St. Thomas Moore is, is considered the team to beat. Central Lafouche started the year as a team to beat, and I still think they are a team to beat. And then you have Destrehan, Lakeshore, Ben Franklin, and then um, uh, Neville, Sam Houston, Terrebonne, Washita Parish, and Caddo Magnet. So uh, um, and, and there, I think uh, Ben Franklin, I'm going to get a chance to look at them tomorrow with, with our girls playing them. And, uh, but I, I don't think uh, Lakeshore is a big surprise. Industrian is a big surprise in Division Two, and uh, St. Thomas More has been putting up a lot of good results in Division Three. No doubt about it. Vanderbilt is on top, and they are focused on trying to win another state title this year. But they have some company around them. Okay, University and now a familiar foe, Turlings, St. Louis, and Edie White are on their heels. Uh, rounding out the top ten in Division Three is Hannon Menard. Parkview Baptist, DeRitter, and North DeSoto. So in Division Three, uh, I, I still think, uh, from what I saw from the uh, tournament results, um, the top five could beat each other on any given day. Um, I'm not a cool expert. I'm really going to try to get somebody on the show next week or the week after next to really analyze the girls in, at length uh, from a girl's perspective. I promise you all that. In Division Four, uh, the number one team is Loyola College Prep. With Newman second, Academy of Sacred Heart, always a dangerous team third, Pope John Paul II fourth, and Ascension Episcopal fifth. Um, but I, I think the bottom five are just uh, are really dangerous. Uh, Christ Episcopal's having a good year along with Ascension Episcopal. Uh, Louise McGee, uh, they have a lot of numbers. ESA, of course, uh, in Division Four, And um, Homa Christian is... Yeah, all those years of, of doing it the right way, they're coming around. And Country Day, um, Country Day is uh, botting out the poll. And of course, that was the latest poll, but it's going to be updated hopefully this week, and we'll try to keep our hands on it. We'll, we'll try to keep our hands on it uh, and keep you up to date with these with these uh, results. Again, if y'all want to get involved with uh, with this show, uh, we've had a lot of people wanting to get involved with the show. Uh, if you access our show on Anchor, you have a chance to. Uh, there's some sponsorship opportunities that are very very convenient for you, and also we also have. Um, uh, um, a lot of uh, communications back and forth with all of you via our MNFUTBOL feed at Facebook and on, and on Twitter. Uh, if you want to hear something that's on the show and, or hear a coach being interviewed, and uh, we'd love to have you. And I, I definitely, like I said, I want to get Sterlington and somebody who's an authority on the girls' game to kind of give us a good feel next week of what's going on. Okay, we're gonna we're going to uh, uh, now uh, for the next segment and for our final segment, uh, have a chance to really spend some time with Lee Sanders and talk about how he sees officiating in Louisiana in the last few months on Monday Night Football. Your voice for youth soccer. We'll see you after the break.
Hello, this is Coach Alan DeRitter, and I want to invite all of you to take a closer look at De La Salle High School in New Orleans. De La Salle is a dynamic, inclusive community committed to academic excellence by evidence with our classrooms of the future, and of course, our commitment to athletics is second to none. Come take a look at DeLaSalleNOLA.com and schedule your spend a day today. That's DeLaSalleNOLA.com. You can advertise your business for as little as $50. Contact us to see our rates and get your business in front of the Gulf Coast soccer community. Follow us on Twitter at MNFUTBOL, as well as Facebook, or call us at All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, we're now with our assistant executive director, person in charge of officiating, Mr. Lee Sanders. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Yeah, and I think a lot of the coaches and the players, and I think the parents are going to appreciate uh, hearing soccer from the referee's point of view. I've done my best to try to encourage the numbers and try to encourage the referees at the games. Uh because uh, they don't get a lot of encouragement from the fans and from the coaches or the players, and and uh, without y'all, we don't. Without the officiating, this game doesn't. This game doesn't exist. You know, how how are the numbers looking this year compared to the last few years? Officiating wise, in soccer, we've seen um, a growth, so we're excited about that. But with the, the 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 growing nature of the sport and the constant demands on officials. You know, we are looking for ways to continue to grow our membership um, nationwide. Our sports officials, high school sports officials, the average age of a, a high school sports official is about 52, 53 years old. Um, so we're looking for ways to attract a younger demographic because we know that as uh, officials in their 50s and 60s and 70s look to retire, we have to have officials in their teens, 20s and 30s who will replace them. So how do we recruit and how do we reach that demographic and then what we do to support their success so that they can serve the member schools, student athletes, coaches who are participating in our sports. That's a challenge that you know, we're facing every day and we're looking to make some improvement in. All right. Um, we got a communication from Miss Bugner, who's been an awesome person. Uh, the LHSA right now is is uh, we've never had as much of a um, cooperative environment between the LHSA and the coaches uh, in my memory as uh, the last couple of years. And she sent out a memo a couple of weeks ago saying that you know she saw an uptick in the red cards and she wanted to put it into it. I wanted to know from your point of view, uh, has that worked or are we on a dangerous trend of getting too many red cards? You know, I will say since uh, Ms. Buckner sent that communication out, we have seen, um, we have not seen an increase. I ran some numbers in preparation for discussion that we're having. And right now we're at about, in boys soccer, we're at about 70 ejections, girls soccer a little over 20, so um, that compares last year, end of the season, a uh, little over 150 in boys, 47 in girls, and then the season before, 2016-2017 season, boys soccer 145 ejections, girls soccer 37 ejections. So right now we're at about 50% of 
of the total number of ejections for the 17, 18, and 16, 17 seasons, which, you know, relative to where we are in the calendar for the sport, you know, I think that puts us on target to, um, to be about where we were last year. But we're hoping to see a decline in, in ejections because from an officiating perspective, one of the problems that we have in attracting people to officiate, men and women to officiate, is the sportsmanship issues that come along with officiating. You know, so here we're asking someone to learn the rules, to learn the mechanics, to be able to manage a game with the players inside the lines on the field, if you will. But then oftentimes, you know, sportsmanship issues, whether it's a student athlete, a coach, and or spectators, create conflict and challenges that um, cause a lot of officials to either choose not to continue to officiate, especially younger officials, newer officials, inexperienced officials who don't have the uh, maybe the experience, the skill set, the perspective, the wisdom, everything it takes, you know, to deal with sportsmanship issues. So, you know, I'm glad that we're having a conversation about sportsmanship um, because it is one of the um, factors that's putting pressure on the officiating community in all sports, really all across the nation. Now, and, uh, and I'm going to tell you, as a coach, uh, there's a lot of pressure from the parents and from the style of coaching that's prevalent today that uh, officials need to be, quote unquote, worked. And I'm really, really against that. I don't allow my players to talk to the officials. Uh, and I try to uh, not talk to them except for, you know, in a time where we can have a, a decent civilized conversation, not yelling at each other, you know, and uh, uh, it's it's. It's seen as a weakness, but I think uh, I don't care. I think it's a, it's important that all of our coaches they they try to teach the kids that that without the referees you don't have the game, and and the enemy is not the other team or or the referees. It's failure, you know. But I find that that culture is starting to wane as as I, as I get older, you know. I, I think you're yeah you're, you're on to something there. There's been a cultural shift relative to just the average person in society's relationship with authority, and that yeah. leads its way down to the to the sports environment and how it is seen. You know the relationship between coaches and officials and between players and officials. Yeah, and it's bad, and I'm glad a lot of the kids are going to be listening today because they all know what a red card is. But I don't think a lot of people in Louisiana understand that there's levels of red cards that that, you know, that could be reported in a disqualification form. Could you kind of go over all, all of those with uh, with the audience, the five? Uh, one of them has to do with just coaching, but especially the difference between fighting, unsportsmanlike behavior, and then a flagrant misconduct uh, red card. Okay, well, first of all, from the LHSAA perspective, from our penalty code, if a student athlete is disqualified or ejected from a contest, then the officials, the game officials who are working that game, they submit a report that basically summarizes the context of what happened and then specific behavior, attitudes, actions that led to the disqualification. The school then is responsible for submitting a report as well, which you know characterizes what happened that led to the disqualification. The student athlete who is disqualified then completes a National Federation Sportsmanship course to reestablish his or her eligibility. Now that's for a um, disqualification that's labeled unsportsmanlike or flagrant. If a student athlete is disqualified and the officials 
classify it as fighting or they come off of the bench onto the field during a fight, then the consequences are more punitive. Once again, the reports are filed by the officials, by the member school. Um, the student athlete completes the Federation sportsmanship course, but then there's a one-game suspension for um, fighting or for coming off the bench during a fight. Now, second um, uh mistakes that a student athlete would make relative to fighting or unsportsmanlike conduct for a second disqualification the penalties are you know are more severe and then on a third disqualification if it's a second for fighting the student athlete is ineligible to participate for the remainder of the year if it's a third for flagrant misconduct or for fighting then the student athlete is ineligible for participating in the sport for the remainder of the year. Now, as you speak specifically to straight red cards, we know that straight red cards can come from serious foul play, which would endanger the safety of an opponent, violent conduct, spitting, um, denying an obvious goal scoring opportunity by foul, by handling, abusive language, language abusive gestures. Those would all be um, actions that student athletes could take that would lead to a, a straight red card. Okay. And um, when it comes to the coaches, uh, a lot of coaches in America, they, they kind of like basketball where getting ejected kind of fires up the team, but that's not the experience I have with soccer. It's usually the opposite. Uh, what's your experience with coaches trying to get carded? You know, as, as a former coach myself and an, and an official, what I would say to that is, you know, uh, the coach is an, is an integral part of the team. And for a coach to remove himself from a competitive environment, I think that creates serious disadvantage for his or her team. I find that, you know, adolescent psychology, what we know about adolescent psychology tells us that young people need structure, young people need guidance. And when they see a coach acting irrationally, when they see a coach acting, you know, sports are emotional. We put a lot into preparing our student athletes for success. So there's going to be a passion that's there. But that passion, I think, has to be checked by some rationality. So, you know, I think that student athletes oftentimes, I mean, they're, they're going to follow the lead of their coach. And so to see a coach who loses his or her control, I think, creates um, uh, a difficult situation for student athletes to have to navigate. Same thing for parents. You know, when student athletes see their moms and dads and adults in the stands acting in a way that's unsporting or acting in a way that's oftentimes irrational, I think that um, creates a difficult environment for student athletes to have to navigate. Yeah, and I, I usually find that a team is going to be the reflection of their coach, whether the team even realizes it or not, you know? And, uh, and you know, you said something earlier, Alan, about – I forget the way you say it, coaches testing officials. I yes. think that was the way that you used yeah. it. You know, I find that some of our most successful officials who work at the highest levels, and so I'm talking about Division One college officials who also work, you know, work high school sports for us, they want to have an open communication with coaches as long as it's in a respectful and sportsmanlike manner. You know, right. for a coach to ask an official you know, can you explain to me why you called that? What did you see? And they actually can have a dialogue. I think that's awesome. And I think it is respected by the coaching community and the officiating community. But what gets us into trouble is when those kinds of discussions are had, they're, they're taking place. 
and they're really not open-ended, you know, whereas a coach will come in and just say, you missed that call because blah, 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 right, blah. Right. Officials, you know, we want our officials to respond to questions, to thoughtful questions, to meaningful right. questions, but it's hard to respond to, hey, you're not very good, you missed that call, <laughs> you know, what's going on? Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, and, and that's what I meant by uh, playing the officials, working the officials. And, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and I think sometimes that has an unintended effect by yeah. working an official. Yeah, I, I really don't, I really don't like it. And, uh, and my players get frustrated when I don't respond when I'm coaching with a, a opponent coach that is, that is working an official, you know, and uh, uh, it just gets really aggravating and uh, because it, ju- it just creates a negative environment for the entire game, you know, and uh, which is, which is unfortunate, you know, uh, I want to ask, hey, I, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but from my, my perspective, I want to say that I appreciate that because there are men and women in positions of leadership, principals, athletic directors, coaches who have a respect for the officiating community and who understand, as you voiced earlier, how we need men and women officiating high school sports and um, all that we can do to support their success supports the success of our student athletes and our programs. Right. Now switch gears a little bit. Um, now from a coaching point of view, the, the, and if you're going to coach high school soccer in Louisiana, if you're a responsible head coach, you got to bring your kids all the way around the boot because like it or not, different associations referee differently. And I wanted to know as, as a state, have y'all addressed that at all? And, uh, and if you have, what do you, what are y'all doing to try to, to try to start to decrease the differences in officiating styles? No, I mean, that's well, what an awesome question because it's one that we, face in all sports because one of the, I guess one of the most important missions of the LHSAA is to ensure a fair and equitable environment for all student athletes and part of that is how the game's officiated. What's a foul in Shreveport should be a foul in New Orleans. Now, yeah, not the, the case. Of, <laughs> the very nature of officiating, right, I understand what you're saying, the very nature of officiating makes that difficult. So right now the Louisiana High School Officials Association, the LHSOA, coming off of an event where we brought together almost 1,500 officials in all sports in New Orleans in July of 2018, where we worked on consistency of rules application, consistency of mechanics. So right now, the OA, the Officials Association of our state, is um, doing a lot to help us create consistency and uniformity in the way that the games are being officiated in all sports. And then we're hopeful to leverage some technology, like you and I were talking about earlier with podcasting, with screencasting, with um, technology, so that we can, we got some outstanding resources in all sports. Soccer, for example, we've got guys who are working at the highest levels collegiately, who with a podcast, with a screencast, with um, technology, we can then take their voice and amplify it to the masses of officials across the state with the goal of creating some consistency and uniformity so that the very issues that you just brought up, the differences in the way the game's being officiated, we can maybe close that gap down a bit. Because we want, you know, we we want a student athlete to know this is going to be a foul because this is a foul and not to have to worry that a game's going to get 
officiated differently, let's say, in the first round of a playoff or a semifinal game or a state championship game? Because once again, that's not fair. That's not equitable. Right. And something I'm starting to notice, too, is as I've gotten older, is some associations actually change their style. And uh, I'm, I've noticed that uh, in a dramatic fashion with Baton Rouge. And, uh, um, and, and so it's very confusing to the kids. I'll try to tell them in advance. In New Orleans, you, you can do this. You have to do this. In Baton Rouge, you're going to get a yellow card for the same thing. So, uh, and and kind of Baton Rouge is kind of flipped. I'm finding now that the stuff that that uh, in New Orleans we can normally do and we normally have to do to survive, uh, you have to do much more in Baton Rouge. So that was a big shocker to me a couple of weeks ago when I went to Baton Rouge to play. And uh, and and of course it could vary by the official, but to get some consistency would really really help the sportsmanship issues because it, it's a frustrating issue for coaches and parents especially parents who don't understand uh, that officiating is a really hard job. You know, I, and, and I would say I totally agree with, with your observation there as far as the differences from association to association, but I would say that, you know, high school sports is a powerful extension of the classroom, and it gives student-athletes an opportunity to learn life skills that they could never have the chance to gain in any other kind of environment. And, and this discussion just reminds me of, the, the importance of adapting, the importance of learning on the fly, if you will, and when you're in a competitive environment and your coach is there to help you, like you're saying, you provide some feedback and say, hey, guys, do you notice they're calling this specific foul this way here? You know, and, and being able to make that kind of adjustment in the midst of a competitive environment is is a powerful lesson to learn because in life we are constantly adapting to this changing world that we live in. All that being said, you know, of course, our association's goal is still to create uniform, consistent officiating, but I do think the nature of officiating sports, each crew, there's going to be um, some marginal differences in the way things are called. Oh, and at all levels, too. And one yeah. thing I love about sports is that it does teach you in a non-real safe environment, let's put it that way, how to deal with unfairness, whether it's intended unfairness or accidental unfairness. Like the, the NFL game I saw yesterday, there was a, a lot of this gray area of officiating that I thought they did a pretty good job with, but nobody ever seen these things before. And, and you got to deal with them, and it might not go your way. And, and so you just adapt and you move on as opposed to whine and complain and and create a, a, a negative uh, world for everybody to live in around them. Anyway, I, that's what I love about the game, especially soccer, because it's constantly, constantly fluid. And you don't have time to stop and berate somebody. You know, you got you got to adjust and you got to adjust on the fly, you know. Which, are, which is such an, an important skill in life, regardless of what you're going to do in or out of the sports world. Right. Well, with the few minutes we have left, uh, I'd like to do two things. Number one, give you an open mic to talk to all, all three areas, parents, players, and, and, and coaches, uh, what you need from us uh, that, that you think is, is pertinent. And then I'd like you to tell everybody how they could become an official, okay? Because uh, we, we, we always can use more. and thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. I appreciate your passion and support for high school sports. Um, I'm amazed. I've been on the job for about six months, and one of the things that I'm constantly overwhelmed by is just the number of people that we have in our state, coaches, parents, student-athletes, officials, 
who love high school sports, but who are also so talented in the area that they contribute. Uh, one of the first things I'd like to address uh, student athletes is that you know, every student athlete we view as a potential game official. You know, when, when you finish your senior year of playing, what better way to stay connected with the sport than to, than to continue to officiate soccer as a university student or wherever you happen to go at the age of 18, 19, 20, 21. Officiating high school sports allows you to stay connected with a game that you love. It's a flexible schedule. You know, you're able to work around your college classes or whatever kinds of commitments that you have. Although the money is not going to, you know, make you uh, eligible for lifestyles, the rich and famous, it is pretty good part-time money um, so I would like to, to, to encourage all student athletes to consider officiating high school soccer lots of our soccer uh, student athletes are already officiating recreational soccer where they are officiating younger student athletes so they have some um, built-in knowledge of the rules knowledge of mechanics and so um, you know, they are a demographic that we're going to target and you're going to see or we're going to concentrate more on targeting graduating seniors to um, get them plugged into officiating. Now, the, the actual steps to become a high school official, each uh, metropolitan area, if you will, around the state, we have assignment secretaries who have um, officials who receive training, they go through testing, and then that, that certain qualifications criteria to become a high school official. So one way you could do that is to link yourself with the assignment secretary in your association. Those assignment secretaries are posted on the lhsaa.org website. You can go to affiliations and you can look at sports, um, at sports, sports officials, and then go by sports soccer and you can see the um, assignment secretaries. You can email me directly, Sanders at lhsaa.org, and I can put you in contact with a local assigner. Um, but we want to do a better job of recruiting potential um officials and we think that officiating is just a wonderful way to learn life skills and to contribute back to a game that a student athlete has had a great time playing. Uh, to the coaches out there, we ask that coaches help us identify student athletes that will become, uh, that have the potential to become excellent game officials and to serve the game and to serve our member schools. Uh, and to the parents out there, we ask them to just um, remember, like, like we discussed earlier, that there are young eyes watching all of us as adults, whether we're officials, student athletes, or spectators. And that although sports, very competitive, very emotional environment, that there are um, just powerful life lessons to be learned. And um, sportsmanship acting with dignity, with class, learning to win with respect, learning to lose with respect, um, acknowledging the importance of rules. Rules provide a structure so that um, student athletes can play with uh, a semblance of fairness. Uh, all these are just uh, powerful life lessons and, and sports. What an extension of the classroom. You know, I look back upon my time as a student athlete decades ago, and I still see, you know, some of the greatest uh, lessons that I have learned that I continue to learn every, every day, reinforced by my experiences officiating, participating in sports as a student athlete, and also coaching.
Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on the show tonight. Could you again repeat how this, somebody could get in touch with you uh, if 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 you if you your uh, presentation tonight struck a nerve for them? Awesome. Well, my email address is l sanders at lhsaa dot org. A phone number two two five three zero zero forty two ten. You can also go to a website. There's a website, Becoming a High School Official, and it can give you some information about becoming a high school official and link us with any interested candidate. Awesome. Well, Mr. Sanders, welcome to Louisiana, and uh, I look forward to all the uh, improvements that are going to come from your leadership. Thanks for being on the show tonight. Thanks, Alan. God bless you.